Folks, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. And as uh, as I continue down my my path here, uh, you know, one of the cognoscentes along the way, guy from Seminole Country, always updating the college football picks, playing the bone a little bit, but I think uh, doing a lot more um, work produ production work, and I'm interested in finding out about that as well. But uh, real cosmic dweller, Al Hall Jr., welcome back. Hey, thanks, Jake. It's a pleasure, man. Really. Thanks for having me. You know, before uh, we get into anything, I, I was a, someone from, uh, a writer from Downbeat inquired to me about um, uh, do, uh, wrote, uh, a guy he was interested in. And I think that if I keep, you know, I've got my tentacles out there, Al. So it's like, you know, I, there are people beginning to take notice. And he, he asked me about, uh, he goes, do you know anything about Roland Haynes? And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to call the skipper. I'll call Al Hall Jr. Because he knows nothing. But I figure the more things that I can do <laughs> to get in his good graces, there's opportunities for me to, 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 to write and stuff about that. So if you know anything about Roland Haynes, <laughs> let's hear it now before we start. Well, you know, you know Jake, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, uh, Roland Haynes was, uh, of course, one of the uh, members of the uh, Black Jazz family there. And, uh, uh did his album, and uh, I'm not sure. I think it was Second Wave. Was you're, you're darn right about that. It was. Uh, yeah. yeah, I should. By the way, thank you for explaining to the audience who Roland Haynes is. Um, <laughs> he he was on the. He was a a keyboardist, but I think the skipper told me he also played bass. But he made that album Second Wave, um, and I think that it, it was an. It's it's a pretty remarkable album, as most albums were on the Black Jazz label. But continue, please. Well, you know, I, I can't, um, I, you know, I was thinking, I think uh, uh, his name was brought up to me uh, uh, recently, and, uh, you know, I uh, we had quite a quite a roster there, Black Jazz, and uh, I didn't really have a lot of interaction with Roland. Uh, I only met him a couple of times. Uh, we never really played together. Uh, but I knew he was part of the Black Jazz family, and, uh, you know, he I knew he knew Henry well. And uh, it was one of those things where uh, sometimes uh, some of the guys on that label, uh, on that Black Jazz label, that stable of, of musicians, were not as close as others uh, because, of, because of our schedules a lot. Uh, right. We didn't, you know, that, that sort of thing. So I, I can't give you as much information uh, <laughs> it's all right. if you like to, uh, on Roland, but I can tell you this, that uh, uh, the album uh, that he did for the uh, label uh, was one of the uh, underrated albums on the uh, on the label. It, uh, I don't recall it really getting a tremendous uh, amount of... Play. Well, actually, you know, the label, we... we, we we never really got a tremendous amount of airplay that that whole label. That's another story altogether. You know, that but that is. Rolling, hold on, I got to ask you a question. What radio stations did play Black Jazz records? I would love to to know who was out there because I assume it, it didn't go any farther than the West Coast. Well, uh, we had, of course, we had the jazz station uh, uh, in L.A. Uh, Chuck Niles and that crew. Chuck Niles, man, there. that guy. Uh, I, you know, rest uh, in peace, right? Uh, that and I think they had a, we had a couple of college stations out there uh, that uh, that had jazz freak uh, that, that played a lot of jazz and we we got uh, quite a bit of airplay in the Bay Area up in San Francisco and there was some uh, there was some uh, some stations uh, on the East Coast that, that played a little of us uh, I can't remember the station out of New York uh, they played a lot of our music. And they played a lot of music. Uh, well, they played a lot of independent sure. labels. Sure. Uh, uh, they played a lot of Strata East music. Uh, uh, you know that uh, uh, they played that, and they played a lot of the uh, label out of uh, Chicago. So uh, we were getting a lot of uh, airplay, basically, uh, not on the uh, the uh, mainstream jazz station. But we were getting a lot of airplay on college jazz station. You know, for some reason, for some reason, those those young guys that, uh, that were on those stations were cutting edge, and they 
they would play our music. Uh, they would interview us. Uh, they would have. A, uh, they would even come out. I remember uh, with uh, uh, Bob Fraser. Uh, I think he uh, even uh, did some uh, uh, disc jockey work uh, out there with uh, KPFK. One of the car. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I might be wrong on that. <laughs> right. I know he was. He had some affiliation with that station. So, so, so basically. Um, uh, Independent jazz labels uh, uh, during that time, uh, we didn't get a lot of mainstream airplay. Let's put it that way. Right. I, I was finish up with Roland though. I, it was a very popular album. It got more. I have it. I have the album. It's very, there's like some some uh, you know boogie like funk tracks, and there's some real sort of angular jazz stuff. It's just very very typical of the label. But I think what was really interesting about uh, that is that the uh, the cosmic dweller Kirk Lightsey was also playing keyboards, double keyboards on that album. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was one of the unique things about that about uh, about that session. And uh, wow, I you know it's been a while since I've heard any of the tracks. Yeah, well, well, we so, can, we uh, can get into it. Uh, we get, but you know it's it, it, I'm going to talk to the skip about him because I think that. Uh, I might be able to, you know, <laughs> Henry always likes to say things in, you know, t five words or less. So I'll have to let him, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to well, get him to extrapolate know, a little bit. Uh, you know? <laughs> the, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure of the, uh, the guys that you've interviewed uh, and that you've had uh, on your previous program from the label. Uh, it would be difficult for me to steer you to the one that might know the most about Roland. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't even know if, I don't ever recall him even being on any of the uh, the few black jazz concerts that we had. We, would, we did a, a few, uh, Gene uh, and a, had a promoter in, L, in L.A., I can't remember who the, exactly who the promoter was. Uh, we did a couple of black jazz festivals, we called them. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, what did, what did, what did black jazz I mean? I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. What what did that mean to you guys? What what did that mean for the promoter at that time when you were talking about black jazz? What it, it, did that mean keeping the, the African integrity in the music of jazz? And if so, what were the characteristics of the music that you wanted inherently to have, to hear in there? What did Gene want to have? What did he mean by black jazz? Well, well, Gene... What Gene wanted to do was give a vehicle to the younger guys that were not getting an opportunity to, to record on the mainstream jazz labels. Um, but let's be clear. Let's be clear, though. The, 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 us, yeah, go ahead. He gave us the opportunity and the freedom to uh, record what we wanted to record. He never dictated to us uh, what he wanted. I want to ask you something. Yeah, I, I want to. We know, managed to go ahead. No, I, 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 I want to know what it was like to deal with white America and being brilliant and and black at, at at your age, growing up when you were when you had the Jim Crow. Uh, you know, it was Jim Crow America, and there was more. And and to me, I'm just the racism was more overt. But the truth is, Al. You know, I started my radio program. I've always wanted to have a show to talk about race, race relations, and I the only way I knew how to do it was to get through to guys who had been through 
more overt racism than, than what we're seeing right now. Makes it's relevant now because we, racism is still a huge part of our of our of our culture. And well, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you know when you you were talking, I was thinking that it goes much further back than you know than you know what we're talking about. Then, then, then explain. Know. Then go ahead. Black music uh, has always been, um, you know, especially so-called jazz music and popular music. Uh, you know, it, it, it has gone through a lot of a lot of changes uh, due to uh, racial issues. And, uh, we were relegated to uh, what was called, of course, race music. Uh, uh, we, you know, down through the years. Uh, uh, you know, black music has all, uh, you know, taken a, uh, a back seat when it came to exposure, uh, finances, uh, record deals, uh, radio airplay, concerts, recognition. Uh, we had to fight uh, uh, playing the chitlin circuit and small clubs and, uh, you know, uh, it's a big difference from... Uh, uh, you know, the New York Philharmonic playing uh, Carnegie <laughs> Hall and, and uh, yeah. Bird uh, playing the Yeah, Bird yeah, Ring. no, I mean, I'm with you, man. You know, I mean, uh, it, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, I think it was Mingus that said, you know, it's a, it's a drag, you know, playing in a club when, when you go up for the second set. You know, the audience is so drunk and there's so many cash registers ringing, nobody's listening to the music. Wow. Boy, I, I would have loved to have seen him in the 21st he'd do with the iPhones, man. He would have been breaking those all over. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. But getting back to what we yeah. were, what yeah. we're talking about, yeah. uh, uh, it's, uh, overall, when you look at the whole picture of this thing, uh, it's, it's always been a struggle for so-called uh, black music. And, and even now, uh, they... Uh, the recognition uh, is for the uh, the major recognition uh, is for the the, the so-called uh, pop or commercial artists. Uh, they're doing okay, many of them. Uh, but but even now, uh, jazz is still you know relegated to that back seat. Well, uh, and it's it and it's it's also culture, I, you know? I, yeah. But I mean, you know, they have uh, 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 BET awards and uh, music awards and 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 all, and, and all of these shows and different things. And uh, to my knowledge, you know, you you don't really see any uh, uh, music that's classified as jazz on on those shows like that. And and one of the reasons why is because a lot of the music is, is unfortunately has died. And even the so-called smooth jazz artists. You know, they don't even get much exposure in play when it comes to the mainstream uh, music scene. I mean, this is what I've observed. I mean, you know, people probably look at this thing and see it d different ways, and some might even disagree with what I'm saying. You know, I, don't, I, 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 I look at it. I look at it as there was a there was. I, I, here's the bottom line: I I don't see authenticity in my in what I'm seeing right now. I don't believe anything that I'm really hearing right now. Not, not you know, insofar as um, <laughs> this idea that... Uh, I, so I had to go back to a period of time of guys that were still living, still creating, that would be able to talk about the overt racism that is was very prevalent when the N-word was used and... You knew you had to get off at a certain. I remember talking to George Harper about this. You know, a man, not a man, not a not a, a real loquacious individual, but a deep, a deep cat. You know, and he said yeah. that. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's. I mean, he said that there was there was some validity to the segregated neighborhoods that he grew up in. He knew what bus stop he needed to get off at. He knew where where his community was. He uh, understood that, the, and he knew he was loved in that community. So I go back to two things. One, from 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 an African American point of view, you know, is it is it um, imperative on the black media? Are they obsessed with money, and do they need to change their philosophy about what they cover as sophisticated black music? Well, 
what I think about the, uh, uh, and we're speaking about black media here, right? Yes. Well, what I think uh, black media, what I think black media should do is just be more diverse. Just, just give everybody coverage for the artistic things that are being done within the uh, the community that they are uh, basically centering their 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 product on. Uh, you know, there there has always been uh, uh, coverage in uh, uh, the main. Uh, when I was coming, you know, at the Ebony and the Jet and uh, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Courier newspapers, right, right, uh, a, a lot of the uh, regional newspapers, and the they would uh, they they covered jazz, and they, uh, you know, I think they did a good job, you know, but I, I think it's I think it does amount to a money thing, you know, uh, with the uh, hold on just a second, Jay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I think uh, the, the the media now, uh, and you know actually uh, a lot of the uh, media uh, is in a little bit of trouble now, especially the uh, printed publication. You know, because of the uh, you know basically because of the uh, internet. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, you know. So I, I mean. But even having said that... But I'm talking... um, I want to get back to this thing. I mean, like, (laughs) I'm just saying that you guys, there were opportunities. I don't know exactly what school you went to, and I'm I'm not totally sure of the timeline, but it seems to me that, um, you know, I don't want to try to recreate the past. That's, that's, it's, it's not... T- realistic in any way, shape, or form. But you, what you guys did was sophisticated art. That that conversation I had with Cosby validated everything that I know would, to be true. Was that is you know it was those Smokey Robinson, the, her the singers that had to go behind the the Howard Theater to change five times. Uh, oh wow! You know, yeah, you know, yeah, like like yeah. like for five different shows. Like you know, it was there was there was a strength. In the in the in the black communities, very strong, sophisticated strength, self-expression, and it really humbled the rest of society, allowing it to be a little more open-minded. And it's, I wonder, you know, you, I just does, I just wonder how much onus you put on your own people covering that. It's maybe it's never been in vogue, but certainly the the contemporary, uh, you know. Music of today, the messages given, the the, the sort of ego ego driven stuff. It's not a team concept, and uh, there there it, I, I feel badly about that because the infrastructure was well, there. Yeah, the, the, well, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, it, it's all about like the, you know, it's all about like some of the youngsters say it's about bling, you know. Right. I mean, it's, you know, this uh, this uh, this about. Uh, especially in, in the more commercial music, you know, uh, like you're saying, it's about uh, you know disrespecting uh, uh, disrespecting portions of the uh, of the community, like disrespecting women, mm-hmm. uh, uh, disrespecting uh, uh, the culture uh, in a way. Uh, it's uh, uh, things. Things are. It's not what what you were saying about listening to not hearing authenticity uh, in the uh, music now uh, is very true. I yes. mean, you know, and and then and then when you think about it, uh, they have already acknowledged that uh, there's a lack of authenticity because look at all of the music that we did that's been sampled. That's what no, but but I here's mean, the thing. You're exactly right. Exactly right. You know, they, but what happened? But what happened? Yeah. Those systematically music programs that you prospered from, you yourself prospered from. You know, you talked about that. You know, unfettered competition. Uh, you know, the, with the trombone, you could be in first. You could be first seat, but you could bounce back to third. But the, the, the no music. You take the music out of the the, the schools, or and then and then really it came down to a, a generation of parents. That didn't learn how to play instruments. You guys were, you guys had mentors, and the scene was still there. But now, if you take those, if you take the the music out of the black schools, then they have sports, or they have, you know, 
a bing, a, a bling life. You know, that's what they want. They that and yeah. to me, it's yeah. a shame because yeah. because <laughs> because you guys fought the racism that was out there. You fought it with sophistication, and the problem now is there's there's a lot of. Uh, just not the the from an artistic. I can't speak to, to to you know painting or sculpting. I don't know about that kind of art, but I do know, you know, it's not. There there are no. I mean, you know, you guys actually they 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 did their and and a kudos to the to the record companies. You know, like the Pat Brits and the and the Gene Russells out there who who at least took the opportunity to you know give you guys highlight because that doesn't the unsung heroes the accompanists and that and the guys that had those breakthrough maybe just one or two albums had that chance to do one or two albums you know that was that was that was authentic you guys are authentic and and it's it's unfortunate and I think but I do believe that's why my show is extremely relevant because it is going to be filling in the, it's filling in the gaps yeah well you know I it, what we're talking about obviously is deep, but uh, you know it's we talk about black jazz, Strata East. I keep mentioning those labels uh, because uh, I mean I, the music, the abundance of outstanding music that never got heard in those days. It might even be being heard a little more now. Then it, then it was released because, in many ways, it's, it's being uh, uh, rediscovered and you're absolutely uh, right. You know, you're absolutely right. In different forms of of, of, uh, of media, but even in those days, uh, and, and we're not the only ones. Uh, the, the, the Black Jazz label and and, and our crew, uh, it was they hell to try to get a deal with a major label playing jazz. It was almost uh, impossible. And uh, they, the major labels even considered labels like Blue Note and CTI to be a small label. You know? Oh, and, man, that, you that, know, that, you know, you know I, I just, the, yeah, I wish I was major, a... Yeah, yeah major <laughs> jazz labels were considered by major labels mm. to be small labels. So, you know, and if you used the word not too uh, a few moments systematic. It, it has been, and and it's been done well by whoever perpetrating it. <laughs> no, uh, it's just it's just it's it, it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's it, it has been systematically dealt with, uh, not only commercially but educationally. Yes, exactly. Uh, just to give you a point, just to give you a point, I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, one of the great. Uh, music programs, and I had the, uh, the privilege of being a part of that program. A lot of the uh, guys and gals that I grew up with were a legend, a part of the legendary Florida NM band. Uh, and you know, just recently, uh, you know, they shut that program down because of a hazing incident. I don't know if you're aware. Oh of no, I, I, the, I was that it wasn't. It was. Uh, Florida A and M is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, that, and there was a hazing uh, incident. And then well, it, actually, actually, you know, that uh, that's a legendary music department, uh, not only for uh, marching bands and uh, uh, symphonic band music and concert band uh, music, but it is a legendary and one of the uh, uh, main traditional black colleges, Florida A and M University over in Tallahassee. Take us, take us through that, that incident. Well, there was a hazing incident. A, uh, a drum major, uh, a drum major was killed, uh, uh, due to, uh, some, uh, hazing. And I think, uh, from what I know, and, and, and your listeners and even yourself, you know, you, you might want to, you know, uh, it's in the news. You can you can get the information on it. No, no, um, I'm, I'm very a, aware of it. In fact, have, I know they've had a, yeah. lot, of, had a but, lot of information on it. On uh, you know, uh, it's been in the news. But, but but my basic point is this: yeah, uh, it was infiltrated. The program was infiltrated by these bombs uh, that uh, the, 
the new new wave of the bang bangs and the hip hoppers and you know they infiltrated their way uh, into that band and destroyed it. Uh, now uh, I'm 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 just giving you an overview, but anybody interested can you know can find it. Uh, wait, 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 wait. no, no, no. I want to go back that. to this for a minute. But see, that, that's that's part of the systematic uh, uh, degradation of music and education and music. You know, they're all they're always elements coming to it, uh, uh, trying to destroy it, and and you have to. Uh, you have to be strong to, uh, you know, to survive that. So now, what I, my point of that is this. So now, that incident has caused that whole music program uh, to be in shambles. And the whole marching band, for instance, uh, it's one of the legendary marching bands of all times. I mean, they performed in Paris and uh, McDonald's. I mean, you know, people that know about these kind of things, you know who the Florida a marching band is, the Marching 100. Mm-hmm. That program has been shut down. And uh, uh, it's been a tradition for, for years. It's, I, I mean, probably the, the 1920s or 30s, maybe. Uh, oh, I want, I want to go, Al, I want to go back to something. Okay? How, so, connect the dots for me. Drum major gets hazed, okay? And now, and and you said these people infiltrated the program. So my first question is, you're talking about a, the school, uh, the, the school, whoever took over the hijack, someone hijacked the music program. It's one of these corporate people, and somehow this. Why was the kid hazed, and 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 uh, what happened exactly? I mean, that's what I'm trying to get at here. I, I missed that. Well, I I don't think it was a corporate issue. My okay. point of that is that the. The environment, you know, the kids coming up in school now, uh, instead of concentrating on the music and the tradition and the education, you know, they're bringing, uh, you know, a street element into it, you know. And I, I, I can't, you know, put that on any corporate uh, entity, but uh, it, it's all a part of of. of the school systems, uh, not, you know, if, look, if you have a school system like when I was coming up where we had band programs and, uh, you know, outstanding people leading those programs uh, and, uh, uh, you know, discipline was maintained, uh, it, it fostered the kind of um, uh, people that came up when we came up, I mean, I, you exactly, saw exactly, came, exactly came up through that educational system. So now, when that educational system breaks down, uh, it, it 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 works its way up the ladder into higher education, and then that worked its way over into the music uh, because you know you you know what matters now in music, you know, is uh, uh, you know who has. Uh, the most playing and uh, uh, you know and, and all this kind of stuff and who's who's diss, who's dissing one another and you know it, you know it, it's a whole different thing now. I, I can't. But I don't think I, I think it, 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 it's, uh, it's, it, it's a yeah. deep I don't deep thing where uh, it's it's a combination of entities that have uh, of the degradation to uh, you know the. The music and and state that uh, you know our, our society and the country and our people are in today. You you but even in Doug Carn's albums, it seemed to me that there was already an appetite amongst you guys to say this is we're already seeing this degradation and uh, it's happening on a lower, much lesser scale. I, the money's very obscene right now. Money is now overtaken, you know. I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, you talk about somehow they're very, very religious people. Tendency is that they believe because they're so religious that they're morally correct. And the two don't go hand in hand anymore, if they ever did. And the other issue is that in search for a new land, infinite you know, western sunrise, it's like, you know, you guys were searching. I mean, it was already the system was already rigged, and now it's just gotten to the point of uh, 
you know, you know, trying to hang on for dear life before we, you know, we go over this edge. Well, uh, I think what happened uh, with I don't want to get too deep, man. I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. Had, I'm sorry? No, no, go ahead. Uh, what happened with us was we respected what had you know, come before us. And we were trying to just continue that, that you know, but when you do that, you know, you have to, you know, bring something new to the table. Well, not necessarily new, but something different. You, you, in other words, you know, you don't want to rehash what has already, uh, you know, taken place. I mean, look, you know, guys had already established bebop, harbor, you know, that had, you know, there was no reason, you know, uh, for us to, to really try to, you know, emulate, you know, what had already come before, because then we would have you know, right. so, you know, so, so, you know, we kept, you know, trying to, the, the, we had something to fall back on. So as that began to dwindle through the years, the guys now, I, I can't really fault them a hundred percent because they, you know, some links in the chain missing, from, <laughs> yeah, that's from, right. you know, from what they had to draw on, unless they dig deep and find it. You know, it's it's not it's not a smooth position. When we were coming up, you know, we you know we had a chance to 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 to, to dip into the past. You know, you know we had the guys were coming up when I came up. Some of them, you know, had a chance to sit in or play with bassist band or, or you know exactly you know, to, you know sit in with with Hamp and uh, you know and uh, you know guys were you know coming up. Playing in Woody Herman, but you know, guys, they got something to, you know, to, to build off. But now, uh, uh, it's not quite like that. Now there are some younger musicians who have that opportunity and who've taken advantage of it, and they're doing a good job. But it's, it's a real rare thing these days. You know, I, you know, I, I, I tell you, I listen to uh, when I listen to a group and. Uh, uh, of young guys playing jazz, and uh, I go, you know, I hear them. They'll play, uh, uh, you know, milestones, or they'll play some music by, you know, some of the masters. I I respect and I appreciate that. Okay, mm-hmm. but where's the originality? You know what? What are you contributing to the chain? You know, exactly. where's your link? Yep. You know, yep. I mean, can't contribute to the link. Uh, syrupy smooth jazz or, or you know stuff like that I mean that has a that's in its own department over there that's pop music the the thing that you, you know? talk about is the the thing that's striking is it's it's a it's it, it boils down to values and the thing is that there was tradition and there was passing leader leadership was they leadership meant passing the torch Leadership, mm-hmm. leadership now means bling bling, and and you're all on your own. Before it was Count Basie passing the torch, just getting the opportunity to play within his band, uh, and then and then you know knowing how to be a leader. Woody Herman doing that for all these countless young cats. Problem is now that you know there has been the infrastructure's totally fallen apart. So it's sort of you know the 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 idea of going out there and you know there are some extremely talented musicians all over every state in this country, you know, and they don't have the mobility, they don't have the mentors, they don't have the, they don't have the accessibility, they don't have the venues, they don't have the leadership in place. So, I mean, it's not the town, I mean, I see, I don't, you know, Al, I, I, I tend to sit around, dwell in the cosmos and, and listen to a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, cosmic dwellers, you know, but, you know, there are I, I, when I do see some music, especially instrumental music being played by real human beings, it's really beautiful stuff. But there's not enough places, uh, not like there ever were a ton, but at least, uh, you know. Charles Owens told me about a club. Uh, he said uh, Niembo, or the skipper used to have a big party at his house, and then He'd have everybody go down to this club. It was a it was an African club in Los Angeles, and, and they and you guys would play all night. What was the name of that club? Oh yeah, that was a it was a club. Uh, it was, was 
almost within walking distance of uh, of my place and Henry's <laughs> place. Uh, you know, right over, right off of Pico Boulevard and uh, uh, La Brea over in that area. Uh, Onajes. Uh, Onajes. Uh, Ona- yeah, Onajes. Uh, well, he was a musician and a uh, uh, entrepreneur. I mean, he had a uh, he had a, a, a little coffee house, a little club there, and. Uh, uh, he, uh, he was a, uh, and he is a, uh, a master percussionist, uh, Vibus. Oh. I don't know if you've ever had him on no, your No, I have not. But, but, uh, on but, your program. No, but, uh, you need to get that cat on there. <laughs> <You're not> G, <laughs> you know, the master himself. <laughs> exactly. you know? so, so, so this was music. So, so, you know, these things were, as I was saying, these things were kind of musician-generated. We, uh, like we were talking about uh, uh, Gene and the... I can't remember his name now. Dick Shorey? Uh, you know, all this stuff was in-house. You know, we did all this stuff in-house. We didn't have, uh, you know, once in a while, uh, you know, we'd get a shot. Uh, you know, like I was working with Freddie Hubbard, for instance, and we got a you know, chance to play at the Troubadour and uh, the Roxy and right. those uh, clubs were the next tier up clubs up in Hollywood, you know. We got a chance to play those clubs. But, you know, you never would find uh, Roland Haynes or, or Calvin Keys or, or, or Henry Franklin's band, their band playing in clubs like that. We, you know, we were relegated to, you know, what we generated and what was in, uh, you know, our community. And it's still kind of like that, you know, even in certain other bands. You know, small jazz clubs or uh, jazz clubs or uh, clubs that turn in jazz clubs on a couple of nights a week or... Uh, uh, or something like that. Uh, it's uh, uh, when you mention the opportunity to play, uh, it's they're far few in between, and uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why. Uh, basically, as I, I, I mentioned to you once before, uh, I'm pretty much retired from uh, uh, you know trying to get uh, that scene. Right. You know? you don't, yeah. I mean, uh, I, that, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, you you talk about what you are keeping yourself. How you're keeping yourself sharp these days? Because, like you said, you know you're, you know you you played, you were a cat and you stretched it out and uh, and and but but you're not you're not digging the scene that much. So you, you've taken your talents elsewhere. Yeah. Well, you know, as I, I mentioned, first of all, I respect and I appreciate uh, you know guys who are uh, carrying the torch. That's uh, no, but I'm saying at your thing. age, that's, at your age, you, you're you're doing you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Those young cats need to be going out there and creating. But at this right. point, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, I've done that, and uh, uh, you know, I don't, I I wouldn't really uh, get a lot out of you know just doing it over and over. You know what I mean? I, uh-huh. I you know, I've I've had my you know my steps, you know, uh, on that ladder. Uh, you know that that is for live playing and concerts and on the road and traveling and that kind of thing. Uh, you know I'm concentrating now basically uh, uh, on writing, uh, producing, and uh, working with uh, uh, younger people in the uh, educational uh, programs and uh, you know working with a, a music production company that uh, you know on, on that level. Uh, trying to uh, expose uh, some of the young people that I come into contact with with the business end of the music. Uh, what I want to do is uh, get the music out there. They don't uh, know anything about uh, record contracts or publishing contracts or royalty collections or uh, mechanical licenses. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> so, so, so basically that's what I, I, I'm concentrating on. Right on, on man. You know, it's education. To, uh, uh, I'm involved in uh, you know some various uh, you know things. I have a we we have we do have a performing group that we call the Cosmos Dwellers Orchestra, but it's not a traditional uh, type group. Uh, okay, that, that's great. I'm glad in, I'm glad you playing, break that out. Uh, you know, uh, playing 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 kinds of uh, uh, music. Uh, it's uh, electronic influenced music or. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a great big kind of a, a thing. You know, we don't really concentrate on on uh, on, on any genre. You know, idiom. We just, you know, hook stuff up and 
get together and put our ideas together. Everybody is encouraged to, to write and to uh, compose and, uh, you know, jam when we get together. And uh, it, it comes out, it turns out to be what it is, you know. If it turns out to be Latin influence, well, that's what it is. You know, if it's the bebop influence, that's what it is. You know, if it's, you know what I'm saying? If it's, uh, um, if it's what they call techno music these days, well, that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, when, as a composer myself, I can't, you know, deny myself, you know, ideas. And, uh, you know, if it comes to mind, and I can organize it and express it and put it on paper or uh, give the ideas to other musicians, it, it's meant to be. Uh, I, I just don't believe that a, a composer or a writer or a person gets an idea, a unique idea from no place. That's part of the Cosmos Thrillers concept. You keep getting the ideas <laughs> and you uh, you respect those ideas and you do those. Uh, I can't. Uh, I've already gotten the idea of the Cosmos Dwellers. <laughs> I wouldn't feel good playing Cosmos Dwellers every night. So, I mean, it's already been, it's an entity. It's out there, it'll do what it'll do. What I'm interested in doing now is uh, I, I play keyboards now. I've been I've been playing keyboards for a long time. Uh, I'm you know I mess with, I mess with a lot of percussion instruments. Have a set of vibes. Uh, I have some uh, music synthesizers. Uh, you know I have some uh, some of the software that they have now with uh, uh, where I can you know where I can do my own. You know it's. I'm just trying to grow, you know, as I grow, I'm trying to just continue to create. Hey, I, 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 I want to I wanna ask you a question. Uh, so, you know, at a certain point, <laughs> you went to New York. The, the Armando Perazas, the Big Blacks, the infusion of the African drum into jazz, that to me is, correct me if I'm wrong, but those percussionists added a real African bent to the jazz. Seems like commercial America has done a pretty good job of stripping down jazz, making it much more vanilla, Rodgers and Hammerstein songbooks. You know, let's get the percussion out of there, the vibes. That's the stuff that gets the Cosmos dwellers going, man. I think, I, you know, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Tell me if I'm right or yeah, wrong. Yeah, Well, you know, I tell you, First of all, you mentioned Big Black. And I want to tell you, I heard that interview. Man, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Big Black. Well, he was like, you know, he was telling he was telling it like it is. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, talking about that drum. Well, I've always known about the drum because we had a, uh, uh, we had a guy from, uh, uh, when I was coming up, years ago, I had, didn't even, wasn't even into music. We had a guy from Nigeria that was lived in our neighborhood, and everybody, and I mean, people even uh, mocked him and made fun of him because of his dress and his accent, right? And the fact that he always was, you know, he would always be playing his drums. <laughs> a lot of his drums were homemade, you know. Sure. So I got, I, re, I think that was the first time that I really, uh, you know, understood about. Um, and, and of course, you know, commercially, you know, you would always, you you know, you would always hear drum, you know, even in those old uh, 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 jungle movies, Tarzan and all that, you would always hear that drum in there. <laughs> right, Sean Connery you films, know? you know? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and I'm going to tell you something, I uh, I have been fortunate enough not only to play and, 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 and be around big blacks, but guys like uh, Juno Lewis. Yes, you know, um, you know Juno. Well, I mean, I I I know him from Juno. That was that that the that uh, no, I know Juno sent Mama for Coltrane. Yeah, yeah, no, that yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, Juno, uh, Juno, uh, and uh, you know Juno and and uh, Juno and Henry and and uh, uh, Juno was you know with with us with with uh, with Freddie Hubbard. 
but yeah, Juno and Buck Clark. But yeah, well, see, that, I mean, Buck Clark would have been my first interview. That Buck Clark yeah. is, 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 is an interesting story. See, Buck Clark knew about the drums. Buck Clark knew about the African drums. Buck Clark knew about... The, see, Buck Clark knew <laughs> the... Uh, uh, the etymology of the drum. He knew the drum from Africa. He followed it right along the slave trade. You know, he followed it right on into the Caribbean and uh, into Brazil and Cuba and uh, right on into New York and, and fascinated in Washington, D.C., playing at a little club uh, called the Arbor Club. Uh, he knew all about the He knew about the drums and percussion. See, he did. He, he did some small. He played with Tony Orlando and Don. No, he he uh, he he did see, some see. very small albums on like Argo, and uh, with Billy Hart on drums from DC, like from a JC, from a Jewish community center. You know, Buck Clark. Right. You know, yeah. But but again, what you're describing is somebody who like was able to be mobile enough. You were able to be transient enough. To be a dweller, you could go to the West Coast, you could go back to the East Coast. People had connections. It was Willie Bobo, Masakela, it didn't matter. I mean, you know, you oh, yeah, yeah, Bobo, I mean, there's so many other guys. Yeah. You know, can never name all the great guys that, that, yeah. that, that mastered that drum. You know, and, and I've always believed in this. Uh, if you listen to any of my music, you always hear that bottom end, that percussive end, starting from the percussion to the bass. You know, the orchestration moves right up from the bottom, and it has to start that way. So when you when you start talking about the drum, and uh, remember, I think I'm going to see you once before, when I, when I did get an opportunity to play in a band or play music, that's what I wanted to play, the drum. I didn't know, okay, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't, you know, I was, uh, I was encouraged to, uh, Play the you wanted to, you wanted to play the kick. You wanted to play the for other reasons. I decided to stick with it, but I really and and, and I, it always stayed with me. I've always, I've always, uh, and I play percussion now. Percussion on a lot of those albums. Uh, I've always loved the drums and percussion. As a matter of fact, when I was in school uh, playing the trombone, I was one of the few non-drummers. They knew all of the, the drum movements, you know, all of the five stroke rolls and the paradiddles and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, sure. You know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I've always respected that drum. So when you start talking the drum, uh, especially the ethnic drum, yes, you and my, you, you and something that I really, you know, uh, that I really concentrate on uh, all the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we have. Uh, a uh, couple of young percussionists with us, uh, and and what I do, uh, I flood them with with, 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 with albums, with CDs, uh, things that I ripped from uh, uh, you know from old LPs. I, you know, I just say, you know, I, I always tell them, do what you're doing. You know, fine, I'll have no problem with that. Uh, it's great because you have to create and do your original stuff, but. I want you to, you know, I'm always shooting that stuff to him. I'm always shooting the Willie Bobo's and the, uh, the Buck Clark and the Juno's, the Big Bite, uh, the Buto, uh, uh, you know, people like that that I, that I know, you know, that they can learn from. Yeah, no, I was, you know, you know it was just so righteous at this period of time where, you know, all of a sudden there was a huge immigration move to the United States where you had, like, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, Afro-Cubans and, and uh, you know, Puerto Ricans coming up to the East Coast. And, and, and you know, uh, the re the, let me tell you something now. The, one of the reasons I'm so cogent with this stuff, because I wasn't around during that time, is because of these LPs. I think that vinyl, the renaissance of vinyl, the ability for people to hear, there's so much stuff out there that is not accessible. See, if you cut off access to information, people's uh, imagina mm -hmm. imaginations, they shrink. So, mm -hmm. so um, for instance, I just found this album, George Shearing album. You know, I'm always, I love that early Shearing band with Emil Richards, Al McKibben, uh, <laughs> yeah. Parat. Yeah. But if you listen to uh, what, I mean, Shearing ran that thing like, I mean, did he was like, uh, you know, 
Bill Parcells. You know, that guy was like, you know, he told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that was a tight ship. Yeah, that was a tight it, it was ship. so tight. And I'm like, yeah. this is what, you know, if you were like, you know, just you wanted to go out for a good night of fun. Like, and they were they were introducing Peraza. Like, he'd introduce him. And you'd have Emil doing the, the vibes. And you'd have mm-hmm. Peraza doing the the conga. And, and McKibben holding that, that, that Afro-Latin beat. And it was just, it was righteous, man. Like, and, and it's to me, it there was no stereotyping, there was no judgment. It was people wide-eyed and appreciating it for all that it was, which is just art and, and creation. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned when you that you bring something back to your interview with Cosby. You know, Cosby said something. You know, around two thousand, I got lost. I, I'm not. I, I'm just paraphrasing. Yeah. You know, he was saying, you know, like, I used to be, and, you know, I used to do that, too, man. I used to play a game with my lady, man, yeah. you know, when I was dating. You know, we had a little jazz show that came off here at night, late at night, you know. And we'd go park somewhere, man, and, and uh, the jazz record would come on. Uh, you know, when these records come on, I'm going to be able to name all the issues on this record. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. You know? Sure. And, you know? It was good for me because I said, well, you know, every time, every time I get one, and I get a kiss. That's right. No, you showed your knowledge. It was a way to impress the women without having to use <laughs> guns. Here's the thing. Yeah. You know what brought that on was this. You mentioned Emma Richards and uh, uh, Sharon. See, those guys develop a sound and a personality uh, to themselves. Music. For instance, when you mentioned sharing, yeah. just now, the first thing I heard were those unison lines between the the, 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 the piano and the vibe. Right, and, right. You, know, <laughs> you see, because those were that was a trademark. Trademark for that band. Yeah. See, you know, you you know that you know you 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 knew what the sharing sound was. <laughs> you know, when you hear that vibe double with the, with the keyboard playing in unison. Yeah, well, that's pretty much, you know, somebody trying to be like them. Right. See, so, you know, all the musicians had, uh, uh, you know, you knew when, you knew when you were hearing train, it wasn't no doubt about it. You know, you knew when you were hearing train. Right now, uh, you know, I, guys, young guys bring me these, uh, young musicians records and some of them be hot man you know but I, I just don't you know I, I couldn't identify as no you know I, I don't hear no identifying tag when Lee Morgan I you could tell the difference between Lee Morgan and Freddie Hubbard and they played similarly that's right. Everybody knew, the, everybody knew the difference between Miles and yeah. uh, uh, Art Farmer. Uh-huh. Because, because, you know, they, they had a signature. See, the young people don't have a signature. Uh, that, that's when you asked me about playing the trombone. I tried to have a signature. Uh, Henry Franklin's bass, it, it's hard to, 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 to differentiate between bass player. But I pretty much can tell you when Henry's playing. You know, I mean, you know, music. I, 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 John, you can play five saxophone players and throw George, George Harper in the mix, and I pick George Harper out. I can see exactly which one is George Harper. Right. But now, uh, like Carl said, uh, I don't know what's up. Yeah, you know, no, he, he mentioned. Uh, I, I, I used to hear that. Even, even. Uh, no, man. I, first of all, I, I'm not going to get into, you know, uh, name calling with these young musicians because, you know, I, I, I'll get in trouble. But some of the popular uh, contemporary uh, musicians, I, they play. They got chops. They got good chops. But no signature. No identity. I can't really tell who they are. Uh-huh. And I listen. Now, I still, you know, one thing I still have is ears. I have good ears. But I just don't hear your, the signature, the originality, the uh, the trademark, like I used to. Now, some of them I can tell that for other reasons. Uh, you know, uh, they're, they're not good reasons. You know, I won't, like I said, I won't call them a name. I hear them, I say, oh, that's, that's so-and-so, but they ain't saying nothing. You know, here's the thing. You know, We're much, our generation is much more bent on perfection. And, and and much less willing to take chances. You know, you, you, I've interviewed, you know, two strands to my show. It's 
It's the affirmation of being black and brilliant during Jim Crow America. And there's also this development of the West Coast jazz music scene, especially in the, in the, Bay, in the Bay Area. So I have like, you know, these old bluegrass guys that on my show, like Richard Green, who played the you know, fiddle and violin, and he's talking about Bill Monroe. And this idea that like, it was like, you just burned. You know, you burned, you didn't, it was not, it was about improvisation, it was about playing what you felt, and you didn't have time to think about it, you just did it. And now we have all this time to perfect, going back and overdubbing and all this other stuff, and it's, <laughs> no, but, but, but I guess... Yeah, well, I tell you, you yeah. know, having, you know, having a production company and working with young people, you know, I know all about uh, what you're talking about there, uh, I have, I very rarely, if ever have seen a one-take go in the studio and cut a team, you know. I mean, these guys, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, sometimes I walk in on a production and, uh, I, you know, I, I just kind of watch. I'm amazed, you know. <laughs> so kind of they, they seem to put it together, but the production techniques are wild. You know, you know, like you were saying, you know, yeah. it's uh, uh you know, uh, you know, uh, automation and technology, uh, you know, has hurt the creativity. It has helped the exposure and the ability to be exposed, but it hasn't done anything for. For instance, uh, I I did a I wrote a uh, uh, I wrote a piece in uh, in one of the local papers here, uh, uh, you know, called the worst. Uh, uh, Invention to uh, 20th century pop music, the auto tune. Right. See, so I did a little paper on that. Uh, but uh, you know what I, you know what I tell my guys, uh, look, uh, if you use this thing, I mean, I don't tell them. It, it, look, they're in charge of their production, okay? But I said, listen, this is what I suggest. I say, if you use that thing, use it as a kid. Don't use it to try to break something that you need to be doing. You know, if you if you can't sing that, don't go to go to the first teacher or somebody. You know, uh, if you want to use that auto tune thing or auto correction as they call it for a gimmick or uh, or then it can be some other legitimate uses for it. But the way it's being used commercially, and that's just one example of what you were saying about. Uh, uh, Junior, uh, I, 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 we could talk for hours. I, I have to, uh, I have to go get some dinner for my kid, my my daughter. Um, I uh, do that. Yeah, yeah. No, let me tell you something. Uh, let me, the technology has also enabled us to connect 
to be able for you to share these ideas about things that you actually experienced so that it can build a bridge to future generations because most of the musicians that I talk to, by and large, they really believe that it's cyclical and things might have to completely degrade and fall apart, but ultimately there will be an indigenous time that will be even more righteous than whatever we're chronicling now, but you're part of being able to build that bridge, man. <laughs> and I'm glad you're, you're able to do it, and we'll do it again soon. That's fine, Jake. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, man. I'm always at your disposal. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care of yourself, man. Thank you. You too, brother.